welcome to the Truth Be Told podcast. I am Marta Brummel, and by trade and training, I am a certified life coach with a psychology degree from the University of Notre Dame and a master's in clinical social work from the University of Michigan. I'm the mother of four children. I'm married to Craig Brummel, my favorite human, and I am the CEO of a private life coaching practice for young adults and parents. So the whole idea behind this podcast and these conversations is to learn how to navigate this human journey from the inside out by building a life skill set that allows each one of us to engage with this grand life adventure from a place of health, wellness, and confidence, and to create something beautiful by weaving in meaning and purpose along the way. I'm so glad you're here. Well, hello, guys, and welcome. Today's guest is Kayleen Bracken. And to many of us who love her, we call her Kale. So you'll hear me refer to her as either Kale or Kayleen throughout the episode. She is one of our very delightful How to Human ambassadors and a rising junior at Vanderbilt, and as well is a D1 lacrosse player. And this episode really came to light when Kale published a poignant and powerful article which was titled, A Letter to College Sports. And this article got the attention of not just the lacrosse community and college sports in general, but also, beautifully, the people at Good Morning America, amongst, I believe, many other media outlets. And Kale's article really was to use her voice to speak on behalf of all student-athletes and really, I think, young adults in general, about the vital importance of learning how to navigate the emotional and mental health struggles with which I think all of our young people are faced with on a daily basis. So this conversation is really about furthering and widening the discourse around the importance of developing an emotional and mental wellness repertoire and skill set so that as life unfolds, our young people are equipped and able to rise to the many challenges of what it means to be a human and what it means to have balance and what it means to have presence and a managed mind. Because as we know, a managed mind is a beautiful mind and a beautiful mind creates a beautiful life. So I have no doubt that you will enjoy this conversation and I would imagine you will glean some very good nuggets from Kale's own personal journey and really the wisdom that she has gained along the way. So enjoy. I wouldn't be telling these stories and in this position, I wouldn't be where I am without having had, you know, negative, difficult experiences with being an athlete and experiencing some serious mental health challenges, but I wouldn't trade in a day of, you know, that suffering or struggle for the world. I think it's really amazing that I've become someone who can speak on these things. Mm -hmm. And every time someone reaches out and tells me that something I said made them feel better um, or resonated with them. It's just a reminder of 
how unfortunately universal this experience is, but also how much we can help one another by being vulnerable and open. So thank you for having me. And I'm so excited to talk with you about this and who better to talk about, you know, being ourselves well and, and figuring out our paths. Yeah. Well, I think that's really what it's about, right? I think it's about getting very clear on who we are uh, apart from our, our resume and um, recognizing that we're so much more and there's so much more to us as humans. And I think when we marry the two, it's pretty lovely and it can be marvelous, but I think we have a lot of work to do in digging deeper and digging more into that internal landscape that we are really about developing and becoming more familiar with. And also just, I think, creating a beautiful mind in the process, because I think when we come from a beautiful mind, which is a managed mind, I think it allows us to engage in our worlds and in our experiences and in all the choices we're making and, you know, elevating our games and um, going for our goals and, and dreams and aspirations, but doing so in a way that really is nourishing and coming from love and compassion and not from judgment and not enoughness and lack of worthiness. And that's, I think, really at the heart of our conversation today. So would you be willing and are you willing, I guess, to share with our listeners what it was freshman year for you, Kale, that really brought you more to, I think, your knees and um, and really got you to a place where you realized I need to I need to step away. Yeah, it definitely did bring me to my knees and it was, and in a lot of ways, it was a grounding experience ultimately. But at the time I felt like I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off emotionally. Um, So when I got to college, I'd been struggling with my mental health prior to going to college. And I think it's always important to consider the fact that I went into college during the pandemic. And so I think so many athletes who had had their season, especially spring athletes who had had their seasons cut off and had almost gone like a year or so without playing their sport. Um, and then going into college and revamping that intensity was really jarring to me, both physically and emotionally. The energy output was something I wasn't expecting, nor was I prepared for, but I had been depleting myself going into freshman year of college, I was struggling with an eating disorder, my senior year of high school. And the more that those feelings of unworthiness um, kind of planted seeds within me, the less interest I had in engaging with my sport. And I had been a, a captain my senior year. I got to the point where I practically asked my coach if I could step down from being a captain because I felt like I was so mediocre at it. And I didn't feel like I was in a place to lead people. And I reflect on that situation. I think it was a mature decision because I definitely wasn't in a position to lead people. And it didn't even end up really mattering because we didn't have a season Um, and I, and I remained captain, but I think that getting into college during this pandemic and having been aware of the expectations that my coaches had of me and that potentially, you know, my new teammates or my recruiting class had of me, my parents, basically everyone in my life, I felt like they had expectations of me was a story I was telling myself. And so when I got to college, I felt like I couldn't fulfill any of these expectations. And for me, the decision I I felt like I had to make, and I'm 
really thank goodness that I did was that I had to go home. They gave us the option to opt out of our fall um, semester or fall season, I guess, for lacrosse and without any punishments. As soon as I heard that option, I was like, okay, I, I know that I need space. I need to go home. This is not an environment like COVID college is already hard enough. Playing a sport was just way too much for me. Um, so I went home for a few months and I, I wouldn't even really say I did work on myself. I was working with a therapist and she was amazing, but I wasn't doing like the deep inner work or getting to the bottom of where those feelings were coming from. Um, but then I got back to school later that semester and I decided to rejoin the season. I ended up coming back the next semester and I was ready to take on the season and I felt really good. I think coming back and having endured the fall, I thought that was the challenge. It was almost ironic. It's like, I thought I had gotten over the hard part. Um, and then the well, spring. Sorry, say that again. What did you endure? Well, my fall semester, I just thought that was like the challenge. I thought uh, that yes. was, you yes. know, kind of like the hurdle. Meanwhile, yes. I jumped that one hurdle, trip, fall, whatever. And then I encounter like a mountain. Yes. And that's, that was my spring season. Mm-hmm. So I started playing. It was this, the beginning of the season was great. I still was struggling with feelings of overwhelm yeah, because I had started recovering from my eating disorder. And that is a difficult thing to do. And it takes up a lot of energy and a lot of mental space. Mm-hmm. And then you're being thrown from that where you have to be really gentle with yourself. And that goes for any, I think mental health condition is like, you have to be really gentle with yourself. So then when you're tending to that and then being thrown on the field and expected to compete, at the highest level is really a jarring thing to go, you know, to oscillate between. And later in the season, I was struggling and my coaches noticed and I went to my coaches and luckily, and this is what I've been telling, you know, everyone who I've shared this story with is like, I am so grateful that I always felt like I could be open with my coaches and I never hid anything from them. And I think that's a privilege of coaches who are willing to listen. I think there are a lot who unfortunately don't create those channels with their players. Luckily mine did. And so I told them, I was like, Hey, look, I'm just not having fun. I don't know what to do. And they're like, okay, well, let's figure out what we can do to make it more fun for you. And I ended up redshirting my freshman year because I'd only played in a few games and it was like the beginning of a season. So I was able to take a medical redshirt for mental health. And then later in the season, come April, I still wasn't having fun. I was like, really just so overwhelmed. And I felt like this polarity of feeling like there was so much else for me outside of lacrosse. And the way I was looking at lacrosse was as though it was holding me back rather than propelling me forward or teaching me things. I just resented it in a lot of ways. Um, And then later in April, I got a concussion, which was, I've had four concussions and that was the worst one I've ever had. Um, My brain, of course, is something that I take really seriously and treasure. (laughs) Yeah. That was, yes. So that was really scary for me. And I think it was almost symbolic at the time. I felt like, wow, lacrosse is taking so much from me energetically. And then when I actually hurt my head, I was like, it is hurting my mind so much Mm. to step away. And so I went to my coaches and, and I made that decision with near, you know, finality to be like, I'm not coming back next year and I'm not going to finish the season. And I was injured anyway, so it didn't really matter, but my coaches gave me a few weeks to make that official decision. And obviously there were things that I had to consider, but in those few weeks, 
um, was when I began doing like the deep, deep work, um, really engaging with silence was huge for me. And with writing, processing all of what I had been through in the previous years and things I had not paid enough attention to feelings I couldn't really articulate until I really got quiet with myself and started listening. And three weeks later, after I had, you know, basically quit the team, I ended up considering all the factors, you know, and there were things that weren't so inspirational as things like considering finances and and I didn't want to be in debt and X, Y, Z. But I came to the point where I decided I would come back and play. And my coaches naturally were skeptical and they were like, three weeks ago, you had wanted nothing to do with lacrosse and now you want to play again. So I had to you know, prove to them that I was being, that I believed in myself and that I wanted them to believe in me and that I, if I was going to come back, I'd come back a hundred percent. And it's amazing that I have been able to do that. I don't think it's something that everyone can do. I don't think it's something that everyone should do. Even when I tell this story, I feel like I should caution people like you shouldn't just push through everything that comes up against you. Like it's amazing to process it and seek out whether you're operating from a place of love or a place of fear. And I was operating from a place of fear. And that was clear to me. I was afraid I wouldn't fulfill expectations. I was afraid I would ruin my reputation as a good lacrosse player. All of these things um, that I was operating out of fear from, and it, it seemed like the easier way out to just quit there are so, so many instances when the easier way out is not to quit. That's the hardest decision that you can make when you love a sport and you've grown up loving it. So I think that's also important to note for athletes who are in this position. It's like, it shouldn't be a story that maybe inspires you to push through. It's, it should be a story to let you know that you should take the time to actually figure out what the best decision for you is. Yeah, I think that I think what's beautiful in all this, Kayleen, is that um, and I call her Kale and Kayleen. She goes by both. So anyway, um, but for you, Kayleen is is recognizing you did take the time to reflect. You did do the deeper um, inner work by getting quiet, creating space for yourself to do this. This very, I think. Um, you know, it's really about gaining and, and tapping into your wisdom, your inner wisdom, which is always available to you and to us, but we don't know how to get there. And we don't quiet the noise around us enough in order to really tap into that. So what you created was the space to do so. And then you were willing to listen. I think that the part about it not being lacrosse was absolutely the most valuable piece that I took from the experience and the idea that so much of what we feel is just a reflection of our you know inner environment and it's true I was telling myself it was a cross and that was a, a thought that I was choosing to believe and at the time I, I wasn't really aware of the distinction that you know we don't need to believe all of our thoughts and our thoughts aren't true just because we think them often they're very untrue and they just happen to exist in our brain. But it was really, I think a radical turnaround because I had made it so, I, so I'd almost like internalized the idea or this, this part of me who was like almost too, I felt like I couldn't be an athlete and also be the other things I wanted to be. So I couldn't be an athlete and be, 
creative or artistic or adventurous. And I think in a lot of ways, it was because I felt like I couldn't be independent if I were an athlete and independence is such a huge part of my life and traveling and making my own decisions and all of these things that, you know, you're naturally going to need independence to do were stunted when I became a college athlete. Like you can't just leave on the weekends to go anywhere when you have practice on a Saturday. And that was something that I struggled with. And since I've shifted that frame to not making lacrosse something that holds me back, but thinking like, I only have really four years of doing this. And at this point, I only have two more years. And so when I, you know, get to spend a Saturday morning with my, my friends and my teammates, it's a privilege and it's a blessing to be able to share that time with those people and to be able to challenge myself and learn things about myself and become a better person or a better friend or a better teammate by being there. And also learning some really valuable lessons about being a teammate, being a team player. I, I even think like standing on the sideline, I didn't get very much playing time this year, taught me so much. Like it, it taught me that the, the part of me that is hurt by not being put on the field is not like 20 year old Kale. It's like 11 year old, you know, Kayleen who was playing lacrosse in rec league and looking on the sidelines to see if my parents were watching or clapping when I scored. And it, it was that inner child that was being provoked by the almost un, the unmet needs. And so when I got to college, and I think this happens for so many athletes, we think that we're like going crazy because we're upset about playing time or maybe our coaches say something to us. But realistically, it's like this little inner child within us who was never like given the high five they needed or was always seeking validation outside of themselves because we grow up in sports. And so being good at sports becomes what we are good at. It's, you talk about, you know, being well, it's identity, right? It's tied up into your identity, which is what you, you, you talk about in terms of in the article, as well as you and I've talked about this. I think identity is our ego. When I was reading, I, I think it was Byron Katie last year who answered the question of like, oh, who are you? And this might kind of be convoluted for some people and totally oversimplified for others, but it's like her answer was, I just am. Mm -hmm. So it's not, I am an athlete. I am a child. I'm a parent. Mm -hmm. I am, you know, a financial analyst. I am a writer. It's just, I just am. And, and you say, who are you? And it's like, well, I just am. Mm -hmm. And when you just accept that just being is more than enough, mm -hmm. it is the most beautiful way to go about life because it takes off so much pressure. Because it's when freedom. you it's really freedom. Yeah. It truly is. Because when you choose you have to be something, then you suddenly fail if you can't meet whatever that thing is. So it's like I am an athlete. And it, then it, when suddenly you're not doing your best as an athlete in that performance almost, then you failed and, and then you're not worthy. When you're just being, everything else becomes this like supplement almost, this thing, these things that can bedazzle an already magnificent life. So your life is amazing just at the base of it. And then you can add things like you are worthy implicitly. And then the fun comes when we add, you know, romance. That's even more fun. You don't need to be 
have a romance in your life to be worthy. It comes when we add sports and, and working with a team, like those things make our lives more rich, but they're worthy regardless of any of those, you know, kind of bedazzlers exist on them. So that's been a huge thing for me is just being like, as I am right now is it's amazing. It's an, it's a miracle, frankly, like even this, this summer, I was telling you about this before we started recording, but I have this like amazing summer traveling and, and I still am like habitually going on LinkedIn and looking up 2023 summer jobs and I'm employed right now. So it's, to me, it's almost this like chronic need for all of us to suck ourselves out of the present and figure out a way to get away from ourselves when there's just so much peace and stability and within us and just in yeah. being like, I don't need to figure out what I'm doing tomorrow. I'll get there. I'll get to tomorrow and I'll figure it out as it comes and I'll, and I will be, and I will trust that the universe or God or whoever anyone, you know, believes has a hand in the course of their life will bring me to the right places and that I will learn the lessons I need to continue. But when we sit here and we think about, well, will I play next season? Is it worth staying? You know, will I get that promotion? Will I, you know, have that child X, Y, Z, all of these things. Will I get into that college? We make our entire life contingent on a future that doesn't even exist. And that I think is where you, you, you've got to find balance, right? You've got to find some balance because it's also good to think ahead when it makes sense. I don't think it's all around bad, right? I just think we have to find that and and that balance and that ability to be present as you're so, you know, as you are stating right now. The and is really powerful. We had a, a sports psychologist that worked with our team introduce the idea of using an and instead of a but and mm-hmm. and ironically yeah. I found it really valuable because she had and. said she's like when we say I love you but I'm angry at you right now mm-hmm. all the person hears is I'm angry at you right now mm-hmm. but when we say I love you and I'm having a really hard time understanding why you did this mm-hmm. they hear okay they're having a hard time but they love me and we can work through this mm-hmm. and I think with when we grapple with our identity, it's like, okay, I am someone who loves to, you know, explore the world and, and have freedom. And there's a lot of value in me being an athlete and I've learned a lot from it. And so suddenly both things have value instead of negating, you know, one of the other. Right. And I think that, you know, I love to travel and I love stability. I love anchoring and I also love exploring. I love it's the end. Um, this is life. Life is is beautiful. It's sweet and it's hard. Um, I think there is always going to be that that kind of tension and contrast. And I think that's what creates the meaning and the the richness of life. And I don't think it's it's about always going for happiness. You know, there's so much more to life and that happiness is elusive, right? I love even just thinking about in raising our young people, you know, not focusing on being happy. And I want my child to be happy. It's like, well, of course you want your child to be happy, but you want your child to be a good human, right? You want them to be 
someone who has meaning and purpose in their lives and who has a direction of like, directionally speaking, I want to be this kind of human and, and, you know, I want to be kind. I was just talking to a client about this earlier about values and what are our values? What drive us? What drives our actions? Is it, you know, I am a hard worker. I am disciplined. I am curious. I am a learner. Whatever it is that colors how you show up for your life and whatever it is that you're doing. And those are the things you want to pay attention to are those kinds of values because those you embody, those are what become your life, I think. That was like the um, Sarah Blondin meditation that you shared with me. Mm, and finding and center. Oh. Yeah. If anyone familiar with these, Marta introduced them to me and I've now sent them to anyone who's ever asked for meditation. And I heard, I I received that from Steph, um, a friend of mine who shared it and I'm, she's now my favorite person to go to. I love, love, love that. Yeah. I also just love the name of it, Finding Center. I was like, well, of course I love this meditation. Yeah. It's amazing. And she also has one called, I love you. I'm listening. And that one got a shout when I went on Good Morning America and everyone was like, that was so wise. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I just didn't have time to credit Sarah Blondin, but it was her. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't know if it's a holding center one. I think it is when she says there is no life without polarity. There you and go. It's amazing. The more that I've lived yeah, that. Embracing all of it, right? Embracing the mess, embracing the heart, embracing all of it is really what it, uh, I think that's where we, we find the, the gold. Yeah. I think I agree. It's like so much of it is so much of the value we find in life is in polarity. So it's like, I want to be in one place, but I'm, but I'm somewhere else. And when I've struggled with that and I'm not really one for FOMO, but anyone who's asked me for advice on FOMO, I've typically explained the, you know, beauty of polarity to them. And I think it always comes down to, to trust and just trusting that you're exactly where you're meant to be. Mm-hmm. Even yesterday in my yoga class, I was having like, <laughs> I think I've just been randomly emotional recently, but I was, we were doing our like Shavasana, which is when you're just laying at the end of class. Yeah. It's um, my favorite part of yoga. <laughs> it's my favorite part too. It was yoga sculpt too. So I, I was love like it. sweating yeah. and ready to lay down. But the teacher was talking about um, how we're, she said, you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now. And I'm like eyes closed, Shavasana laying on my sweaty mat and I'm like crying because I thought it was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like somebody was speaking through her, the universe or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it was like exactly what I needed to hear. Just this reminder of like, that's my favorite mantra and and what grounds. You're exactly where you. Yeah. You're exactly where you're meant to be right now. And so even when I'm struggling with anything, like if I'm, yeah, this is such a random example, but when I eat something that I like, maybe it doesn't make me feel amazing. Um, Like say 10 minutes later, I'll be like, oh my gosh, why did I eat that? I'm like, I was meant to eat that. (laughs) I wouldn't have eaten it if I weren't meant to. And it's, yeah, well, Byron Katie will say, if you argue with reality, you lose 100% of the time or you only lose 100% of the time, right? It's like, yeah, I ate that. Well, yeah, can't argue. You just and like there's no, it's such an energy waste, I think, to argue with reality or to be like, right. I was trying to explain this to someone um, a few weeks ago with the idea of like when we're attached to, and this kind of rounds back to our conversation, but when you're attached to something, 
you'll only experience pain as a result of it because when you're attached to something, there's, there's no grace there. It's just when that thing strays, you're in pain because it's gone. And when it's close, you're attached to it. So, you know, you clung to it so much that it becomes almost like an energy drainer. And I was trying to explain to my friend, I'm like, well, if you just release those attachments, Mm -hmm. you will find so much freedom and, and you won't be, because when we attach ourselves to things, it's often ideas. It's like identities. When we have conditionality in our relationships, right? When we love conditionally, that's exactly what you're talking about. It becomes like a, this has to be, or they have to say this, or they have to be this in order for me to feel loved. It's like, you can love very freely. And when you love freely, the love comes back to you anyway, right? It's just, that's kind of the law of the universe. When we feel love and we are love, love is, it's, it's, it's a full circle. Oh my eyes. I don't know what's going on with me. I could cry. That was so beautiful. Yeah. Well, I cry all the time, Caitlin. So I, I feel like we've covered the waterfront as we always do when we talk. And um, and I, you know, I just want to say that I feel as though you, Kayleen, as you grow and as you evolve, and even just in the last, you know, few months from a conversation we had, you know, earlier in the semester to where you are now, I I can just feel a sense of a little bit of a ground shift. Like you just seem a little more free. And, um, and it's really beautiful to, to experience, to feel, to see in you. And of course you're going to Hawaii for a month and living, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking, well, good Lord, I wish I could go with you. Um, you get to be there for the month of July, lucky duck. Um, and while you're there, I just hope you can rest again in that space, in that quiet space, and just know that you are love always and forever. And um, keep shining your kale light in this world, as I say to you, because it is bright. It is big. It would not be as bright nor as big or as able to share if not for meeting you. And I love you so much. And this was like the sweetest thing to be able to come on here. You are love and everyone Mm -hmm. you touch is love. And and it's been amazing to, Mm -hmm. to know you and just being able to do this and share the many wisdoms of any conversation we have um, is amazing. Yeah, it's a gift. And how to human is a is a place that I think and space that you've helped me um, really bring to fruition. So thank you for that. And we'll continue on, right? We'll continue that that path forward. So all right. Any final words for our our people and especially those freshmen, but also student athletes, I think more than anything in terms of mental and emotional wellness, health, and um, maybe two little takeaways for them. I think that I would say for anyone who is entering college or at any point in their life when they're having a hard time navigating the things that make them feel good versus the things that may be weighing on them, I think silence and space is of the utmost value. Finding the space to listen to yourself and to get in touch with the parts of you that have the answers because they are there. Mm-hmm is so beautiful and to connect with people in your life asking questions and truly getting to know the people in your life because I promise you that is how you will form beautiful relationships and also that is how you will find people who you can talk to Mm -hmm. about these things and who will openly talk through these things with you Mm -hmm. so I think 
that is my first piece. And my second piece goes back to what you were saying about loving freely. Mm -hmm. And this is not necessarily a takeaway so much as it is where I'm at and what I feel called to share. I was recently having a conversation with one of my friend's moms, who's a dear friend of mine. And she said, is this Jill, by the way? I don't even know Jill, but she's fabulous. So if she's listening, yeah. I'll be like, I love every bit of her posts. If you can, I mean, she's amazing. Okay, so this is Jill. Here we go. It is Jill. So oh Jill, I, I will be sending this to her. Jill loves to, she provides some of the most amazing advice mm-hmm. that I've ever gotten oh, in my life. Yeah, she's beautiful. Yeah. Oh my she God. is a really, really special human mm-hmm. being. And I, she's a great writer too. Like she just nails it. Anyway, you guys would love each other. She is truly okay. like, she's been a mentor of mine without her even knowing for years. And she's, I wouldn't be she's amazing. anything oh the way I am without her. Okay. Um, but we love to talk to her about, you know, like our college relationships. And of course, like chatting with her about people at school and something comes up about how she's like, I just don't know why you guys don't just you know, tell everyone, you tell someone when you like them. Why don't you just tell someone, share that love with them? And then she said, she was like, I just think we all need to stop holding back our love. Yes, yes, and yes, right? Love freely, my friends, and love with abandon. And as dear Kale so wisely shared, there really is gold in the silence and space that space to listen to self and get in touch with the parts of you that are wise and true and come from love and kindness, right? Less from fear. So deepen your relationships and your connections, love freely as we say, and share the love. Don't hold back. All right, dear ones, until next week, I'll be holding you close. Take good care. Having a life coach can sweeten the often messy and hard and awesome journey of being human. Do you have a life coach? And if not, I would be so privileged to be your coach. I have a private coaching practice for individuals and families where we work on getting to the heart of your struggles and paving a path forward that helps you create a life that you truly love. When you're prepared to take what you're learning on this podcast and implement the tools and techniques so that you experience profound and lasting results, then contact me at martabrummel.com and we can hit the ground running. I truly cannot wait to work with you.